instead of assuming that development always leads to the best economic outcome, we need to start to value those things about public lands that are important to our communities today. This is MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and that was U.S. Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico, one of America's staunchest supporters of conservation and public lands. We're talking to him today about all sorts of issues. This is Season 3, Episode 1 of MCV Cast, and dialing in from Smokey Bozeman, Deputy Director Whitney Tani, and from Hazy Helena, Political Director Jake Brown. We begin this week in Washington, D.C. We have been working together on this important piece of legislation that addresses the issue of forest management and now being better stewards of our forests. As we say in Montana, either we're going to better manage our forests or our forests are going to manage us. And that was Montana Senator Steve Daines on Wednesday talking about his controversial forest management bill after missing a key vote in the Senate this week because he chose instead to attend a campaign rally in Montana with Vice President Mike Pence. We'll have more on that in a minute. Wednesday's hearing in the U.S. Senate covered a bunch of outdoors bills, including Senator John Tester's popular Blackfoot Clearwater Stewardship Act and Senator Daines's so-called Emergency Wildfire and Public Safety Act. MCV weighed in on both bills. We have long supported the Blackfoot Clearwater Stewardship Act because it protects nearly 80,000 acres of public land in the Bob Marshall and Scapegoat Wilderness areas and in the Mission Mountains. Senator John Tester says his bill was written by Montanans after years and years of collaboration among its stakeholders. That's why MCV thought it was odd when Senator Daines indicated he hasn't even been paying attention, saying he was looking forward to, quote, the continuation of public debate. Our response, we said, instead of working with and listening to Montanans, Senator Daines has been looking for excuses. Jobs are at stake and Montanans can't afford to wait. As for Senator Daines's bill, it's taking some heat because it is not a result of collaboration among people whose lives and businesses are impacted by a wildfire. We called Senator Daines's Emergency Wildfire and Public Safety Act a, quote, wish list for the timber industry. Daines says the bill would require the U.S. Forest Service to conduct wildfire risk reduction projects in the West proposed by a governor. Projects would be subject to a streamlined environmental review process and certain litigation protections. In other words, cut trees without checks and balances. I don't know about you guys, but the wildfire smoke is really getting me down. According to the National Geographic, more than 5 million acres have already burned this year in the United States, and the fires are not slowing down. Our changing climate is driving up temperatures and increasing our fire risk. And when forests burn, our air quality tanks. You only need to look outside your window to see it. Before heading outside, check out the Department of Environmental Quality's air quality website and stay safe. Vice President Pence visited Bozeman this week to stump for Republican candidates Steve Daines, Greg Gianforte, and Matt Rosendale. One of the key speakers, A.J. Not Afraid, the chairman of the Crow tribe, offered strong support for the candidates. The reason? Despite a backdrop of smoke due to wildfires driven by climate change, Chairman Not Afraid said the Trump administration has opened the door for more coal development. Now it's just up to the tribe to walk through that door, as well as Vice President Pence telling the Crow the war on coal is over. In 2018, President Trump visited the state four times trying to unseat Senator Tester. Visits to Montana from the administration is nothing new in an election year, but what is really interesting about this visit 
is that Senator Daines had to actually miss a vote for this rally, something that is quite rare for him. What's also interesting is the apparent lack of health precautions taken. Most attendees were not practicing social distancing or wearing masks. According to the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, Gallatin County Health Officer Matt Kelly reached out to the event organizers but never heard back about what kind of precautions they were planning on taking. We hope for the attendees' sake that no one was sick at the rally. A few days ago, we noticed a new political TV ad from Senator Daines. It's riling up many of us in Montana's conservation community. Paradise Valley is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. We have a really good outdoor recreation economy. We had a big concern that would affect the Yellowstone River. We went to Senator Daines. We talked to him about it. Senator Daines did what was right. Passing the Yellowstone Gateway Protection Act is a big deal for our valley, and Senator Daines was key. This would have never gotten done without him. I'm Steve Daines, and I approve this message. Okay, let's fact check this, because Senator Daines' ad is misleading, to say the least, and that's my polite way of putting it. In full disclosure, I was with Senator Tester in November of 2016 when he announced that he would carry the Yellowstone Gateway Protection Act. Senator Tester did exactly that a few months later in the spring of 2017. Congressman Greg Gianforte, he introduced the identical House companion the following December. But Senator Daines, despite months and months of Montanans asking him to support this bill, he stuck his thumbs in his ears. Newspapers called on him to support it. So did small business owners. Well, Senator Daines finally co-sponsored the Yellowstone Gateway Protection Act on December 18th of 2018, 602 days after John Tester introduced it and after Senator Tester won his re-election. So when you hear this... We went to Senator Daines. We talked to him about it. Senator Daines did what was right. Know that it may have been right, but it certainly wasn't because Steve Daines cared about conservation. This ad is misleading. And Senator Daines, you know it. You do not get to play politics with John Tester's bill, which you derailed for more than a year, then take credit for it in order to greenwash your very weak record on conservation. That is phony, untrue, and not what Montanans deserve. Earlier this month, President Trump's re-election campaign and the Republican Party sued the state of Montana after Governor Steve Bullock gave counties the choice to conduct their entire general elections by mail due to the global coronavirus pandemic. 46 of 56 counties in Montana have already confirmed an all-mail-in ballot for the November election. Ballots will be mailed October 9th, although you can still register to vote and receive a ballot through 8 p.m., on Election Day, November 3rd. If it's a day of the week that ends in Y, the Billings Gazette is taking Montana Secretary of State Corey Stapleton to the woodshed for gross incompetence of him and his office. In a scathing editorial, the Gazette listed all of the various scandals that have roiled the office since Stapleton was elected, from misusing taxpayer dollars for personal reasons awarding lucrative state resources to political allies, and finally, for his attempts to put the Montana Green Party on the ballot in November. The Gazette editors didn't hold back in their critique of Stapleton and said that either of the candidates running for the Montana Secretary of State would be better than Stapleton. What the Gazette didn't mention is that one of the candidates, Christy Jacobson, has been the deputy chief of staff for Stapleton the past three years. She's directly complicit in the scandals that the Gazette brings up. 
Christy Jacobson and MCV-endorsed candidate Bryce Bennett went head-to-head in a virtual debate by the Montana Television Network earlier this month. Mr. Bennett, why are you anti-American and stand and, and advocate to defund the police? Oh, Mike, I, I got to tell you, the endless amounts of lies that come from my opponent in this race are just galling at this point. I have never said that, and she knows it. But if she wants to spend the next 30 minutes lying about my record, she's welcome to do that. I want to talk about the issues that matter to the people of Montana. And I understand. I absolutely understand why she would bring up lies like this, because her record is one of leading an office that has been plagued by corruption and incompetence. It is an office that has given away government contracts to her biggest political donors, hired her own family members into this office, corruptly abused our state-owned vehicles, and even wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars of our own money on a voter guide that she botched. I mean, the problems are endless in this office, and she knows that Montanans, when they hear my message of protecting access to our public lands, having strong elections, and making sure that our businesses have the tools to succeed, they're going to choose me. Bryce Bennett went on to talk about his support for efforts in making the ballot box more accessible and about why his campaign and ideas have gained support from both Democratic and Republican former Secretary of States. While Jacobson tried to paint Bennett as someone who he's not, I thought that Bryce did a great job of representing his values and ideas for what the office can be. Bryce is a conservation and voting rights champion, and we're excited to be in his corner. Murph, I'm curious, what did you think of the debate in the race so far? Yeah, Jake watched the whole thing, and I, I guess in a word, chilling, um, and not because Christy Jacobson uh, clearly doesn't really know what she's doing in that office, but because she used this tone that to me is terrifying, uh, clearly partisan, clearly out to suppress votes. And to me, that's a very scary place to be for somebody who wants to be secretary of state of this state, especially when up against Bryce Bennett, who has a long record of, of serving the public and doing it well and doing his homework. The two contrasted together, uh, very compelling. And we'll, we'll put a link to the whole debate in the show notes so people can make the determination for themselves. But uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, the choice in this race pretty darn clear. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Electing Christy Jacobson would just be uh, more of the same. Um, We are officially less than 50 days from the election and less than 20 days from ballots going out. And I think it's pretty safe to say that we are in crunch time. Everything that we're seeing as we get closer to November is that a lot of our big races are going to be extremely competitive. In Mike Cooney's campaign for governor, we've seen a number of public polls showing the race closing and becoming more competitive. He's also broken several fundraising records, which is going to be necessary for him to compete with Greg Gianforte's personal wealth and his habit of funding his own campaign. It seems to us that almost all of our races are competitive. With the election right around the corner and these races being so close, it's definitely time for our listeners and our members to think about what else they can be doing to help out our endorsed candidates. If you haven't already donated or volunteered your time, or gotten involved with these races, now is the time. As we noted earlier, the U.S. Senate is back in session this week. With just weeks until Election Day, progress is slow under the leadership of Mitch McConnell. But this week's guest took time out of his Senate schedule to join MCVCast. Cast. 
Today's guest is U.S. Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico. He's one of our nation's strongest conservation advocates and also a tried and true outdoorsman. Before serving in D.C., Senator Heinrich was a fellow for AmeriCorps, the executive director of the Cottonwood Gulch Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to educating youth about the environment, an Albuquerque city councilman, and an appointed natural resource trustee for New Mexico. In 2008, Senator Heinrich was elected to the U.S. Congress, representing New Mexico's first congressional district. He was the first Democrat to do so. After serving a couple of terms in the House, the people of New Mexico elected Martin Heinrich to the U.S. Senate in 2012, where he has been an ardent champion and created bipartisan victories for our environment, our public lands, and our outdoor way of life. Senator, it's beyond exciting to have you join us today for this conversation. Thanks so much for being here. It's great to be with you. Earlier this summer, the Great American Outdoors Act became law of the land. You, along with both of Montana's senators, were a champion and sponsor of that law. What does this new law do, and why is it so important? The fact that it does two huge things at the same time is is pretty remarkable. Uh, It it addresses the backlog that has been uh, a, a systemic problem with our public lands for many years. And uh, I would, I think it, it's fair to say that much of the focus there was on our national parks, but uh, with some work from myself and others, we were able to get that broadened to actually address national wildlife refuges, uh, our U.S. Forest Service lands, our Bureau of Land Management lands, um, as well as the Bureau of Indian Education, which also sits at Interior. Um, And in addition, it fully funds the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which is uh, a goal that, you know, many people, including myself, have been fighting for for many decades. Uh, Land and Water Conservation Fund was passed in the in the mid 60s. And ever since that time, there has been an effort to fully fund it. Uh, That's never happened in the past. And and now we uh, we have permanent full funding for that critical public land uh, tool that helps us conserve habitat, conserve, uh, you know, protect local parks, buy soccer fields for kids. I mean, it really is an incredible tool from your local neighborhood all the way to the biggest national parks and public lands. And Senator certainly is a a victory on our end as well. Um, With that under your belt, what is the next big conservation challenge ahead in terms of the federal level? I think one of the things that we have needed to address for a very long time is the need for dedicated funding for wildlife. Um, We are at a time in history when an enormous proportion of the species that were common when I was growing up are are now threatened. And whether that's, you know, whether you're thinking about things as, as seemingly common as bumblebees and butterflies or more exotic wildlife that we associate with our wildlife refuges and, and national parks, uh, across the board, wildlife is in decline, with the exception of uh, those species that were really uh, conserved at the beginning of the 20th century and are protected uh, by the, the funds that come from largely from sportsmen. Um, so we have a wide array of non-game wildlife that is in decline. And I think fully, uh, I, I think permanent funding to recover those species long before they become listed as endangered or threatened uh, should be uh, sort of the follow-on goal uh, from what we've accomplished with the Land and Water Conservation Fund. 
So staying on threats, um, days after signing the Great American Outdoors Act into law, President Trump formally nominated public lands foe William Perry Penley to be the director of the Bureau of Land Management. Then after some public outcry, the Trump administration withdrew his nomination. But Penley still is in charge of the BLM. So what does it mean to have an anti-public lands champion in the driver's seat at the largest public lands management agency in the United States? And how can Montanans help change the leadership at BLM? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a saying in New Mexico where I'm from, uh, dime con quien andas y te, te diré quien eras. And, and basically what it means is if you tell me who you hang around with, I'll tell you who you are. And I think the fact that William Perry Pendley is in charge of the Bureau of Land Management is, is probably the truest indication of the indifference and at times outright hostility to our public lands and public spaces that we've faced under the Trump administration. So, uh, you know, I am eminently grateful that the president signed the Great American Outdoors Act. You know, I believe he did that for largely uh, political uh, and self-interest reasons, but that's okay. We accomplished something huge. But when you look a little deeper at how this administration has approached public lands, the attacks on the Antiquities Act, the attacks on our national monuments like Bears Ears, um, you know, the, the tearing down of tribal input into those public spaces, uh, this is an administration that I think is very much lined up with some of these extreme views that that William Perry Pendley has expressed for many decades. He is who he is. I think it's unfortunate uh, that we have an administration that thinks it's appropriate to put someone like that in charge of millions of acres of the land that that the federal government holds in public trust for all of us. Senator, you were among a handful of Democrats who voted in support of William Perry Penley's boss, Interior Secretary David Bernhardt. What grade would you give Secretary Bernhardt given his last couple of years at the helm of Interior? Well, I, I'm not sure I would give him a grade. What I would say is that Secretary Bernhardt and I have very different values when it comes to public lands. And I think one of the things that we've seen from the secretary and from uh, this president is a real emphasis on development above all else, particular, particularly with regard to energy, but even more broadly than that. And I think at a time when, um, when public lands, when spa public spaces, when wildlife habitat are all more and more... Um, uh, you know, we, when we realize that they are finite and that they are really important and special, I think we need to flip the paradigm. And I think we have an opportunity to do that in the next administration, where instead of assuming that development always leads um, to the best economic outcome, we need to start to value those things about public lands that are important to our communities today. So when, when these public lands were created, um, you know, producing timber, producing uh, livestock, these were very important things for building the country. But as these spaces have become more and more unique and rare, and our country has become more and more developed, 
I think we need to value things like clean water, like outdoor recreation, like wildlife. And uh, we need to place a far greater emphasis on uh, protecting these public lands because of what they, they represent and what you know, the, the fact that we should be passing them along to our children and grandchildren um, unimpaired. So in 2014, you joined then-Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona for a survival TV show. You literally were dropped on an island together and left to make do. So viewers watched you two work together to survive and break down kind of the political party barriers. He helped build the shelter. Uh, he, he built the structure and everything, so I, I applaud him. That's more than I thought a Democrat could do. When I first came out here, it was, it, it was quite surreal to think um, that I was going to be marooned with one of my colleagues, much less one of my Republican colleagues, for a week. Unfortunately, it feels like much of the decorum that you and Senator Flake helped build in the Senate has been lost again. So, in fact, I mean, we're seeing many senators publicly disparage each other with their constituencies and um, in the media. So what can you say about the state of partisanship in our country and perhaps how the outdoors are going to help bring people together? Yeah, so, so Jeff Flake likes to, to joke that we prove that uh, if death was the alternative, Republicans and Democrats can work together. Uh, but genuinely, you know, that trip, uh, I think, made us lifelong friends. And that used to be a, a fairly typical situation in the U.S. Senate. And I think it's something we should aspire to. Again, what, what I'm, one of the things that I'm very proud about the Great American Outdoors Act is that it, it really did bring Republicans and Democrats together. Uh, when I went to Congress uh, a little over 10 years ago, um, conservation and in particular public lands was a pretty partisan issue. And uh, one of my goals was to change that and to really make uh, our public lands as American as, as apple pie. And when you go out in a state like Montana or Idaho or Colorado or my home state of New Mexico, you immediately realize that the people who are actually using our public lands, who are camping and hiking and hunting and fishing, um, they come from every political stripe imaginable. And I think what happened is we allowed these sort of so-called think tanks in Washington, D.C. to, to hyper-partisanize the debates around our public lands. Um, and it is, it is a remarkable accomplishment that, that we were able to turn that around. And as you see, uh, you know, in, in this election year, uh, the Great American Outdoors Act is not only good policy, but it's been good politics for people on both sides of the aisle. And we should build on that. Senator, you spend time hunting and fishing. You know the outdoors like most Montanans do. And that means you also have uh, a keen understanding of what's at risk with our changing climate. What can we do as outdoors enthusiasts to ensure that the issue of climate change stays front and center, especially looking beyond Election Day? I, I think one of the things that I would like to see more of is um, the voice of people who spend a large percentage of their time in the field, hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, brought to bear on the, the conversation around climate. Uh, oftentimes that conversation is very focused on energy generation. And that's an important part of how we're going to solve our climate challenges. But I think 
that the voices of people who spend a, a lot of their time outside really brings to bear what's at risk because we are seeing things change in a very real way. Um, places that I have loved my entire adult life here in my home state of New Mexico are fundamentally changing now. They look different than they did when I was an AmeriCorps fellow back in the mid nineties. Um, we're seeing wildfires that when the forest grows back, it's a different forest than it was before. You're seeing mixed conifers, uh, shift over to Ponderosa. You're seeing Ponderosa on south facing slopes completely replaced by, by shrub, uh, by, um, you know, locust and other much shrubbier species. And, um, that's just a reality in much of the world today. Like the, the places that we know and love are changing in very real time. And I think it, it helps people to understand what's at risk and why we have to move so much more quickly than we have been uh, for the last few decades. With a big election around the corner and the many potential shifts from the White House down to the state level, where do you see things going for the Senate and what are the big issues that lie ahead? Well, I'm fairly hopeful that we're going to see the majority shift in the Senate. Uh, I think there are a, a large number of very competitive Senate races, and that will change priorities. It, it'll change who holds gavels, you know, who is chair of various committees, uh, and it will also change priorities. And my hope is that we see a real shift uh, in the direction of uh, thoughtful conservation of our public lands. Um, there are always places where development is appropriate, but it's not it's not appropriate everywhere. And we really do need to realize that these special places are an, a, uh, a limited resource and uh, to treat them with the, the sort of respect that that uh, brings with it. So any final words you'd like to leave with Montanans and fellow public landowners? Uh, you know, I, I think raise your voices, uh, whether you're irrespective of what part of the political spectrum you fall uh, into. Uh, conservation is something that is really at, at the core identity of most Westerners. The, the places uh, that we love, the things that we love to do uh, require, um, require being in the arena and fighting on a daily basis for um, the, the protection of these places and the wildlife that we love. And so Raising your voice, whether you're on the left, the right, the middle, um, you know, raising your voice for the things that you care about has an enormous impact on what is possible in uh, a place like Washington, D.C. So the more your, your listeners can take that to heart, the easier it will be to get things accomplished uh, that are meaningful for, uh, uh, for people across the Intermountain West. U.S. Senator Martin Heinrich of New Mexico, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're a true conservation champion, and we are thankful you're fighting for the West in D.C. Thanks for having me. The views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of MCV, its staff, its members, or its board of directors. We're excited to announce that our 2020 endorsement guides are on their way to our members shortly. 
We've also announced some new endorsements like Mike Black for the Montana Supreme Court, Valerie McMurtry for the Public Service Commission, and a local mill levy in Missoula supporting the Mountain Line Transit System. Folks should be getting these endorsement guides soon, but you can always check out our website to see our full list of endorsements. That's mtvoters.org endorsements. You guys, I'm so proud to report that our deadline of September 10th exceeded our fundraising goal of $10,000 for our Stop Penley campaign. Thanks to all who generously supported us, we can't thank you enough. And as promised, we now have a billboard posted near Senator Daines' home so he can no longer avoid Montanans in our mission to protect public lands. Unfortunately, public lands foe William Perry Penley is still at the helm of the Bureau of Land Management without Senate confirmation. So please visit stoppenley.org and take action by signing on to our petition opposing Penley or donate to help us keep up the fight. It's also worth noting we are less than two weeks away from our virtual gala. There's still time to snag a raffle ticket or become a sponsor, so please visit mtvoters.org slash gala to learn more. I know I can't wait to try my luck winning the virtual cooking class with top chef Doug Adams. That does it for our first episode of season three of MCV Cast. With just over six weeks until Election Day, our podcast episode schedule might be a little more fluid than usual, so thanks for your patience. And we'll be back with episode two very soon. In the meantime, we'll leave you with this clip from Wednesday's episode of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, guest our own Senator John Tester, talking about a memoir co-written by yours truly. The title is Grounded, A Senator's Lessons on Winning Back Rural America, and it was published on Tuesday. We'll be back next week. You... You have stood up to many of Donald Trump's decisions, and yet people still vote for you. So are you a sign that America isn't as polarized as people think, or is your winning an exception to the rule? Look, I think the, the country is more polarized than it's ever been, certainly in my 64 years on this earth. But I still think we have far more in common than we have uh, differences. And, and I think that the key is, is to bring people together. And that's not something that Donald Trump has done. He tends to divide us a lot more than bring us together. But the truth is, is I think if we come together and we have good, honest conversations and we have a good debate and we compromise, we can come up with solutions. And by the way, that's the way it's worked from the beginning of time in this nation. It's what made us the greatest country on earth. And we can do it again. Mm